0: I don't want to hit this too hard I'm not a prophet don't claim to be a prophet but I do sense in the spiritual realm that there's a major change there's a shift that's happening I could see it I could feel it God told me uh, a while back maybe about two about a year and a half ago uh, something was coming and he was uh, and the something that's coming is not um, great for this country I mean I just honest, But I want to say this, as the world falls apart, one thing I can be absolutely confident of, the church will grow stronger and better. You know why? Because the ones who are not willing to stand against the currents will leave. So that won't happen here. That's not going to happen. So listen, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 4, and let's pray. Father God, um, as we move forward, every year is a gift, Lord God, and I see uh, every day is a gift, and I I, I also reluctantly see that every uh, season is a gift. That means when I'm doing good, it's good, and when I'm doing bad, it's good because Lord God what you did changes everything even death for the believer is something to be celebrated i you know i don't i don't i don't know how it all works together sometimes it's very difficult but one thing i know is that you have poured hope into our hearts and our hope is not in us or what we do or our ability or our skill it's in your perfection what you accomplished when you said on the last with the last breath you had in your lung it is finished you said everything that needed to be done to save the elect was complete and nothing could change it nothing and lord god we want to be a part of it all we want to be a part of it all we consider it a privilege lord god a privilege and we pray this all in jesus name amen All right, so just to give you a heads up, we're going to read the scripture today. This is going to be a two-parter, okay, because I'm not going to break down the scripture completely. I'm not going to even attempt to break down the scripture this week. I'm going to do it next week because the context is so important, and it kind of goes together with the timing, this, this season, this 21 days of fasting, and what it really means to fast and what God really does in our fasting. And I also want to give us a couple uh, practical ways on how we can fast, because it's not just about giving up. It's not. It's about giving up so that we can add to. It's the add to part that should excite us. So uh, if you came here for the first time, I got bad news for you. You got to come back next week. There's no yeah. way around it. <laughs> you got to come back. That's two times. You come back one more time, you cannot leave. We have a team that will chase you down. Um. It's not a joke. <laughs> so uh, okay, let's let's read from um, v- chapter four of Matthew, verse one. Uh, verse one, yes. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and he said, "If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become bread." Jesus answered him. It is written, I tell you, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point at the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for isn't it written that he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus looked at him and replied, It is also written that you should not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms throughout the world and in their splendor. And he says, all this I will give you, he said, if you bow down to me and worship me. I want you to understand the way he's saying it is he's saying, I'll give you everything that's mine, concede my place for one instant of worship one instant of worship Jesus looked at him and he said away from me Satan for do you not know that it is written worship the Lord your God and serve him only with this the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him okay this is a powerful thing and I can't wait to kind of break it down there's a ton of ton of implications This is one of those things where you read that scripture and this is uniquely God's work. Jesus accomplished something when he did this and you look at that and you're like, well, this is Jesus's work. What do I do? Well, the fact of the matter is the application for us isn't quite easy, but there's tons of implication. There's implication because Jesus did. He's giving us an example and he's showing us a direction, Uh, but he did accomplish something And, and we'll go into that again next week. So uh, this whole week, uh, uh, this whole uh, month, the 21 days, we're we're talking about fasting, 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 fasting. I've been with New Life for 26 years. And um, is it a bit 26? About that, right? Right, 26 years? She doesn't know. 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 Something, 20 years, 20 years. And, um, you know, when we first did it, super excited, super excited. I'd never done it before. I was still kind of like an adolescent Christian. I was very excited, kind of threw myself into it, didn't eat for 12 days, not, not anything. Then after the 12, I had very light, like, broth and stuff like that. And I was just like, wow, I was just literally like a wash rag that was wrung out. I was, I was emptied. And I can tell you the truth. It was a, it was a very uh, a wonderful building experience because I felt, for the first time what it would look like if I uh, had no power. I don't like not having power, and I don't think anyone likes having no power. Uh, but as time would go by, year after year, uh, I would anticipate it was coming. We'd have this celebration of Christmas, and then it's like, oh, here's the first of the year. And at right around I- I year five, I was like, oh man, I don't wanna do this no more. Bad news, God knew that my legs were weak and he put me on the elder team. Well, when you're on the elder team, you don't have a choice. So you had to do it, right? But I didn't do it willingly. I did it, but I didn't want it. I didn't want it. When I think of the word fasting, a lot of thoughts come to my mind. Um, I have visions of headaches. Anyone knows what fasting is like? Man, that first three days, you have a headache all the time. I, I, I have visions of fatigue where literally I'm just, oh, uh, and my neck is killing me, and i got to climb up my ladder to get in my sweeper. I have visions of over-weakness. Um, I have, uh, for at least a few days, I, I know what's coming. I'm going to have lack of focus. Now, for me, it, nobody likes that, but I drive for a living. So i got to pay attention to a lot of things around me. And when I got no focus, man, it's dangerous, because I'm like, oh, I'll just go into a lane like, woo and, uh, and, I, and I don't like that feeling, so I have to be specially on guard. But here's the worst thing that I would have to say. When I don't want to fast, when I'm not ex- excited about it, I don't have a whole lot to look forward to. I don't drink anymore, praise God. I don't go to clubs. I don't use drugs. I don't think that Christians—I'm uh, not going to get into the theological debate—but uh, first of all, we all know that about drugs, and, and as for alcohol, we could talk about that privately. But I, I don't do all these things. So when you're a Christian, you know what do you do? You know what do you do? You know? Well, I tell you what I do—I eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? God does it. He loved to eat, so I'm like, if he loved it, I love it. You know? So one of the things that 21 days of fasting will do for me is it will rob me of looking forward to anything. I I work like most of us do in sometimes very frustrating places where you're like, man, you're trying to white knuckle your way through it without acting unchristian. So how do I get through something like that? I usually say to myself, all I got to do is get to 10 o'clock, and then I could go to Rickle Benny's. I could get myself one of those breaded steak sandwiches, and I could get myself a big old fry and a Coke, and I could just eat it until I'm stuffed. And then I go home. You know what I mean? So it's wonderful. And I also want to say this. Come Fridays, I, I look forward to that day because I'm like, all right, the first thing I think of is 11 o'clock. I'm like, all right, I got another hour to have. What are we going to have for dinner? <laughs> you know what I mean? So for me, I think, okay, where am I going to take take? Uh, we're going to go out for pizza or something like that. We usually kind of go with the girls, and we go out for eats. You know what I mean? I love to eat. When you're fasting, there's none of that anymore. There's none of that anymore. Fasting is a very aggressive attack on my flesh. I want you to understand that. Your flesh is being put to death. It says in the book of Romans that what Christ did was he went on the cross for us. Then when he came off the cross, he planted his righteousness in us and put our flesh on that cross. That means it's being mortified. It's being mortified. Well, I don't know about your flesh, but my flesh is stubborn and it likes to speak loud. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be on the cross. I want to get off the cross. Or if I'm going to be on the cross, I'd like to make it a little easier on myself. Well, that's the truth. But when we choose to fast, I am choosing to be a part of a very aggressive attack on my flesh. I don't know about you, but my flesh, and I think without sounding insulting, this is true of all of us. Anyone who's been awakened by the Holy Spirit knows it to be true. My flesh wants autonomous authority. You know what that means? I want to be the final word. Isn't it true? Well, guess what? Jesus has come not only to be my savior, but to be my king. In the presence of one king, you can't have another king. One guy's got to go. I'm the weaker of the kings, so guess what? He's pushing me out the door. You know? My flesh desires comfort. It's always been one of my idols, right? My flesh desires a certain amount of pleasure. It was my number one idol. And like I've said before, even though I am a new person, you're a new person, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, those old languages never go away. It's like a romantic thing. My old idols speak to me in a very unique way. And sometimes, depending on the amount of pressure or duress I'm in, they sound very appealing and attractive to me. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So this is like a battle. This is part of my battle. It's part of all of our battle. Um, I believe my flesh, our flesh, desires a little bit of excitement. So let's look at it. When we choose to fast, guess what? I'm choosing to not be my final word. I choose to eat Rick Benny's at least once a week. You know, Jesus says for 21 days, you will not eat Rick You will not eat anything. My flesh desires comfort. God tells me in this 21 days, no, you're going to have to sit with me in the discomfort. I desire pleasure. God says to me, your pleasure is going to have to be found in me not in something you can hold in your hand or fill your taste buds with and fill your belly up with. Um, Little bit excitement. For 21 days when I choose to fast, he's saying, no, 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 I want you to eat the manna of my presence. Remember Exodus? You know what manna was, why they got tired of it? Because you would have too. It was a miracle at first. You're like, how did he do it? Wow, I can't believe it. Day one, you're like, this is crazy. Day two, this is unbelievable. Day three, this is awesome. Day seven, three times a week. Mom, what are we having for dinner? Manna, again? It's very much like the Christian walk. Very, very easy to be excited about it in the beginning. But then as you keep going on, as you go forward, as you're walking for long distances, it can become a little bit like, oh man, uh, this again? When I choose to fast, I'm choosing to die to myself. One of the things that I have learned is that my flesh wants to believe a lie. You know what that lie is? Today is all we have. Do you ever hear that lie? You know, can I tell you something? When I'm confronted with God's will that's going in this direction and my will, which doesn't even overly look sinful, it's just the world's way, but there's a departure. I have to either go this way or that way because I can't go both directions. I have, to, I have to ask myself, what matters in the eternal You understand what I mean? Because if I'm here and now, if all that matters is what happens from now, 57 years, until I turn 85 or 90, God, I hope he doesn't keep me till 90. (laughs) But I have to ask myself, well, if I'm only living to 90, I better grab hold of something. And I don't know about you, but the more you give up to walk with Christ, the more you will look around and start to notice what people have in their hands. And you'll go, well, I don't want to lose out on that. Well, I don't want to, I mean, you only live once, right? What if, what if, what, if, what, if, what if, what, you know what? And here's the crazy thing, because you know him, you won't say I'm going to depart. What you'll have a temptation to do is to compromise. Can I have both? Because that was my worst aspect of my character. I wanted the chocolate cake, but I wanted to eat it every night. And God's like, Eat the cake or you have the cake. So I want you to remember that, that we don't live primarily for today. We do not live for the here and now. We have to remember, if you're going to live the successful life, which is successful life in a Christian sense is one that perseveres. Doesn't look perfect, doesn't look blameless, doesn't look without any kind of scratches or imperfections. Jesus is our perfection. Jesus is our wisdom. Jesus is our coverage. Jesus is our our, our righteousness. What does it mean to be successful? That means I will not quit. I won't quit. I won't quit. And if I'm going to be that person who doesn't quit, I have to remember that I cannot always have what the world wants for me. I'm living in a segment of eternity, in a segment of eternity. And I, I, gotta, I don't know about you, but this is something that I tell myself all the time. You're only here for a short amount of time. Then you go to where days will not end. So I have to have that mentality. For 21 days, that has to be the front of my thinking. When I say to my flesh, no, I delay my gratification, I'm saying now is not the most important thing. There is coming something that is greater. Don't we all teach our children to do that? Well, at least my day and age we did. You know, when my parents taught me, I learned it from their life. Say no to things today so you can have a better tomorrow. We are not saved by our actions, but because we are in eternity, the direction that I'm going in will be the direction that I continue to go in in eternity. I can profess to love Jesus Christ, but if I want nothing to do with him here on earth, I will go into eternity and realize when I see him, I don't know him and he doesn't know me. Sometimes we have this idea that there will be people who are rejected by God and they're weeping because they, they're like, but, but he, he rejected me. No, they would not want him. That's what hell is. I don't want you. You reject me. <laughs> Why would I want to spend eternity with you? You took everything that mattered to me. What hell is going to look like? What hell is going to look like? John the baptizer, he understood this eternal principle, and here it is: I must become less so that he can become more. You know what happened? He was baptizing, and he was ace. <coughs> skyrocketing star out of the gate comes out gives this message of repentance people are like that's it the floodgates of heaven are opened up 50,000 people are coming out to see this guy he's baptizing back and forth he's got to get disciples they're baptizing maybe 20 30,000 people a day guess what keeps happening day in day out day in day out day in even the leaders are afraid of this guy he's gaining so much momentum until one day Jesus walks on the scene and he goes there he is the guy we've been waiting for, you wanted the one, he's him, it's not me. And guess what? The moment Jesus walked on the scene, he went from 25,000 people a day to 15, to 10, to 5, to 7, to 2, to 500. And there was this point where his disciples are looking at her like, hey, where are all your followers? We've got 500 people here. And you know what John said to him? He goes, what do you want? I told you this was going to happen. They're like, you don't get it. You started this whole thing. Now they don't come to you. They go to that guy. They go, he goes, don't you get it? I was here to point for him. You know what he said to him? He goes, I only get, we only get what's been given to us from heaven above. I got what I got. I was doing what I was supposed to do. And now guess what? It's time for me to go back and him to come forward. This tells me two powerful, tells us two powerful uh, uh, principles for us to take with us into 21 days of fasting. Here it is. First, all things are God's to give, and all things are God's to take away. I have to tell myself that all the time. Because you know what I like to say under my breath when it comes to God? Why didn't I? I thought I deserved. Didn't I do to get? I, I've prayed to God one, there's so many prayers I pray on a regular basis, but one of them is is that I would never accuse God because there's a part of me that wants to question him like I could demand an answer from God. And you know what I, when I'm saying, I'm thinking, man that's gutsy. who are you to ask him? What's he doing? But I do. I look around, works one of those places. Why did that guy get? Spot. I've been doing this for 26 years. My back is blown out from doing what this guy's been doing for five years. He's just related to the right guy. I might be outwardly condemning the city, but inwardly I'm questioning the Lord. You know why I think today, here now, he's like, I know what it would do. And it wouldn't put you in the right place. Tom, I'm not here to put other things in your life that are going to tempt you to go the wrong way. I'm here to take them out. And the more I'm willing to hold on to them, the more he's willing to rip them out of my hands. Right? So I have to remind myself, we have to remind ourselves that God's to give it. It's God's to take away. So God gives us abundance. He wants us to live in abundance. But you know what he also wants? Sometimes when he says no, that we agree and say, okay. So, Here's the next thing. John understood that for him to rise to his full potential, he must decrease so God's salvation can shine brightest. John understood. I'm on earth to point to him. Do you know how easy that is to get muddled up? And you know where the most blatant examples of it can be? why wasn't I asked to be on the team? Why didn't I get mentioned? I think I deserve a spot on the team. When people tell me that, I ask them, who are you doing what you're doing for? Oh, I'm doing it for the Lord. And I said, I don't know, but I would encourage you to question your motives. You know, because what I've learned is God uses me when he uses me. He tells me to sit down when he tells me to sit down. give you a great example. Pastor Asa was promoting people left and right. Boom, boom, boom. There's this guy, Nick. They were going to put him over here. And I wanted to be a pastor. I thought in my heart, I want to be a pastor. I want to do this. And he just kept overlooking me. Why? Because I was an immature mess. If I'm crazy now, you have no idea what I was like 15 years ago. Strangely enough, the Lord still said, This is my crazy guy right here. I purchased him on the cross. And Asa would go, you, 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 you. He's giving them away. Like, me. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I was so mad at him, couldn't look at him. Couldn't look at him. Would I admit it? No. I was still good enough to know I couldn't admit it. So what happens? I'm sweeping on Congress and Dearborn. It's eleven o'clock at night, and I'm listening to James Boyce talk about David's son Adonijah, who, as David is about ready to leave the earth, the kingdom is promised to Solomon because that's God's will. But Adonijah says, "No, no, no, I'm the oldest son; it's my right," and he tries to snag it. And God—you can't snag things from God—uncovers the whole thing, and it winds up costing Adonijah his head. And you know what? I'll never forget it. I'm listening to this guy, and I know from the get-go, man, God's talking to me. Right after the sermon, I hear, who has the right to choose, Tom? No, I'm not saying nothing. Who has the right to choose, Tom? Third time, who has the right to choose? You do. Who has the right to choose? You do. So that means I get to tell you When to stand up and when not to. So guess what, Tom? If I tell you no, that's not for you, it's my choice. That day, my desire to be a pastor died. I'll never, ever forget it. You know what he never told me? Don't worry, it's not your time. Something better is coming. He doesn't have to answer those questions. I've learned about God. He is very much like a father. And my father used to say, hey, listen, kid. The cart doesn't pull the horse. I'm the boss around here. God is not some kind of a crazy authoritarian, some abusive individual, but he's very much like a incredibly wise father who says, you have no need of knowing the answer because you couldn't comprehend what I'm doing. I want you to trust me. And when I died, I died right then and there. It still took me five years to where... I swear to you, it was almost like it was default. No one else would do it, but Crazy Tom would. They're like, oh, he'll do anything. This guy will jump off cliffs. So I, I did, and guess what? God brought 16 crazy people with me. And guess, I don't get it. God's hard to figure out. I mean, I'm just saying right now, anyone who follows the Lord knows he's hard to figure out. And you know what? I can't question him. But I know this. Man, when you look back, you're always like, Psh, man, he's a genius. He's a genius. All right, so listen. I, if I grab those two principles, these are things that are going to happen. I understood that when God shines brightest, everything else gets better. So I realize when God is the boss and he's uninterrupted or unimpeded by my unbelief or resistance, everything gets better. Here's a couple things my resources are more effectively used. I don't need as much. I don't demand as much. And somehow, crazily, this little bit that I didn't think was enough gets spread in ways. You're like, how did that even work? You know, I could tell you stories, man. When we finally got free from my personal debt that I came into my marriage with because of my alcohol and addictions, 60 grand, 60 grand. 60 grand. Man, it was crushing us until finally we cried out. We're like, help us. Well, everybody was uh, doing bankruptcy. And we're like, man, I don't think he wants us to do that. So we called up our creditors. Hey, listen, help us out. We want to pay our bills. They go, okay, fine. It's just going to hurt your credit for a little bit, but you're going to pay off just the principal. We had a five-year plan. Can I tell you something? God helped us to pay that $65,000 off in three years. We had sometimes $15 a week for food. I never lost a pound. <laughs> and it's not because my kids were locked in a room while I was eating. We never missed a birthday party. They always got Christmas gifts. When things were going to break, God would give me overtime four days earlier. Overtime. And God, my wife, whoa, she's something, she'd go, hey. You remember, that means something's going to break. Sure enough, something broke. But man, we got through it. Can I tell you something? You know what the advantage of that was? I had no idea. My kids now don't follow in that trap. They're going to succeed better than us because they're not going to fall for the, hey, just use the card. You know what that card is? It's a subtle way of saying, be your own God. You don't need to pray. You can have good credit. We'll give you enough rope to hang yourself. It's called slavery. My kids won't do that. You know what my kids also learned? There was no guarantees. There was no guarantees. So when you got socks and underwear, you were happy to get them. Man, this is the greatest underwear I've ever seen in my life. Why? Because if they didn't, they'd get an earful. But they did, and somehow you believed that they were happy about it. There was a lot of gratitude that grew up in our house. There was a lot of simplicity, but we also learned that God was taking care of us the whole time. My resources are used more effectively. Commitment and honesty and loyalty will replace self-pursuit, self-protection, self-demand, and self-rights. Did you notice there's one word? That's common in all those statements. Self. Why? Because all sin has I in the middle of it. When I live for eternity with my light in eternity, realizing that what comes after is more important than now, and there's bigger issues in life than my pursuit of my own personal happiness, things get better. But when I focus on those things, man, I comes to the front. I demand. Well, I don't want to live like that no more because I don't know about you, it never produced what I promised it was going to produce for me. So one of the things I want to say about this fasting time that we have to understand that Jesus lived the singular, most greatest life of self-sacrifice there ever was. And because of his sacrifice, our lives are benefited to the overflow. Because of what Jesus did, his determined self lessness we are welcomed do you know what that means this is where we can look at the true treasures of our life i want you to do it i hope that comes up because i want you to take a picture of it because for you to replace bad thoughts you have to have good thoughts if you have bad desires good desires can only take them away one of the things is that i have a tendency to be the half cup full guy i'm like "Ah, that's empty half empty my wife's like you got half full I'm like, you're dumb. That's crazy. (laughs) We're going to be out of water before you know it. But I do this now, and I've been doing it for quite some time. I remind myself of where my treasure is. And where's my treasure? It's in Christ. I'm welcomed. Can I just tell you this, just one thing, and I'll just give you the rest of the list without expanding on it. Welcome is huge. We had a friend who was invited to a Christmas dinner by the mother, her and her two children, struggling in her marriage come to your aunt's house. So they come, knock on the door. The aunt opens up. She goes, what are you doing here? She goes, well, my mom said it would be okay. There'd be plenty of food. She's like, well, I wish someone would have told me. She's like, well, I guess come in. So here they are sitting on that. I want you to put yourself in her position. Here she is with her two kids, her nine-year-old and her uh, five-year-old, and they're sitting there, and the aunt's, making all these snide comments about how they didn't invite this girl and her two kids and there's not enough seating and there's not enough food and there's not enough this until finally she'd had enough and she said, you know what, I can see I'm causing a problem and I, it's okay, I'm going to go. And he had not let her go. Can I tell you something? When we found out about it, it was years later, that's the impact. But for us, can I tell you something, when we walk into the presence of God, because of what Jesus did, we won't hear. Well, go on, sit down. No, he's gonna go, he's gonna look at you, he's gonna grab you, he's going, go, Do you know what we did to get you here? You are welcome. You are welcomed, you are received. That means he has caught you, he has pulled you in, he is protecting you, he is determined to get you and I across the goal line. This is our treasure. This is our treasure, not the comforts of this world. Those are add-ons, residuals. And when I choose to say no to those residuals, I somehow can appreciate the gold in the middle all the better. Does that make sense? Because of Jesus' sacrifice, I am redeemed. I am secured. I have been given limitless hope. I have been given value. I have been given identity. I have been given purpose. And guess what? No one can take it from me. I cannot lose it. It will not fade. It will not spoil. It will not break. It is permanent. Stored in heaven for us. Awaiting its fullness. Man, that's our true treasure. That's our true treasure. And you know what? When I say no to the residual, the afterglow, the ash of the true blessing, I can appreciate the blessing better. Amen? Okay. I want you to hear these scriptures, and then we gotta talk about some just some basic ways that we can fast. Okay. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says this. Although Jesus was the Son, monogenesis. That means he was the only son. He learned, listen, this is crazy. He learned obedience from what he suffered. And once he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obeyed him. I remember when I read that, when I was just a baby Christian, I was like, wait a minute. Hold on. Two words confuse me. Made perfect? How can he be made perfect? How did he learn anything? Isn't he God Almighty? I, I, I just don't know how this will exist. That's why we need each other and the Holy Spirit to help us understand Scripture. One of the things I know about Scripture it is it is designed. It is designed this way for people to misunderstand it. It is designed for people to manipulate it. Peter even says it. He says there are people who are destined for destruction that are going to take the word of God and the truth of the gospel of Christ and they're going to misrepresentation. And guess what? That's what they're here for. Yeah. You know, I I, gotta tell you, you know, when you have bad leaders, the leaders aren't the problem. It's usually the people because God gives them what their hearts want. Man, that's why it's so important to remember to let go of the afterglow and cherish the real treasure. The real treasure. So, what does it mean that he learned and was made perfect? Here's what it means. It means that Jesus submitted to a process to be perfectly equipped for his eternal position as high priest. This is the payoff. Here's where it. This is a beautiful thing. Hebrews chapter five. And this should be something you should underline in your Bible and you should read and thank God for every day. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. That means he knows me. He gets me. Man, you know, I told someone the other day, you know what keeps me and keeps this guy that I was talking to attached to? Because what our particular, our defects of flaws, we have self-loathing. We love to hate ourselves. And we love to love ourselves, too. But we love to hate ourselves. We love to condemn ourselves. We love to think that we're not good enough, never good enough, didn't do enough, all these different things. And I said, you know, buddy, That's what we do. That's our old language. But I want you to understand that he understands just as a father has compassion on his children, so he has compassion on us for he knows how we are made and we are made of but dust. You know what that means? He's like, yeah. Yeah, you're imperfect. You failed. You failed again. But I knew it the whole time. I know what drives you. I know what's broken inside of you. Don't worry. Don't worry, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. Trust me. Let me lead you. Go where I tell you to go. Stay under my wing. I'm not going to go away. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? You know what? Where are you going to get that on earth, man? Every human being has their limits. Not this God. Not this God. When he chooses you, he chooses you. And then it says this. We have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he never sinned. Let us then, therefore, approach God's throne of grace with confidence. This morning, you know what I said? I go, Lord, I have no right to come worship you. I have no right, but I come in the name of Jesus. man, my arms could go up and I could sing loud and I could be off key. Why? Why? God wants me to take his gift, and he wants me to live it to the fullest. And I don't know about you, but when I worship, man, I feel the closeness of heaven. Right. And then it says this, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Wow, that's beautiful stuff. He's submitted. He now empathizes with our struggle and he beckons us to come close. He wants to shelter us, he wants to protect us, and he wants to provide for us. The question for you and me in this 21 days is, am I willing to submit to the process? There's an old saying, I cannot know how important and valuable Christ is until I have nothing else. This is one of those ways. It's one of those ways. Am I willing to become less so that God can shine more brightly in me? That's my question. That's my question to me, to all of us. Okay, so let's take the next five minutes to talk about ways of fasting. First, I want to ask you a question. Do you need to fast? No, you don't. You don't want to fast? Don't do it. You ain't going to hear no other pastors say that? I'll tell you. Don't, don't do it if you don't want to. Should you fast? Yes. You should. You should. Because there's benefit, untold benefit from it. What is our motive in fasting? Not props, no bragging rights. We do it for cooperation. We're cooperating with God in his will for this world, for our lives, for the lives of the people around us. We're participating. We are now carrying on the work of salvation. G- Jesus uses us to do his work on earth. Isn't it awesome? Awesome. And finally, we fast in anticipation. You know what that means? As crazy as the world can get, I know nothing can stop what's coming. And Jesus said, He's going to make everything. So the world can spin out of control all it wants. It's only moving in the direction he allows it to go. He will win. When I fast, I'm looking forward to the day when he defeats every enemy. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you know what? That's for me, it's like playing in the Super Bowl that you shouldn't even be in. There's two ways of playing the Super Bowl. When you don't know whether you're going to win or not, you're trying real hard. But then when you're out of reach, you lose hope. But what if you go into the Super Bowl with an absolute knowledge that you can't lose the game? How do you play then? I know how I'd play. And I'm letting it all hang out. I'm going to dive into the enemy. You know why? Kill me, drag me, beat me. I'm getting a ring. We get a ring. Jesus shares his glory with us. Nothing's stopping that. Amen? All right. As they come up, I want you to look at this. First, media fast. Limit it. It's a way of escape. Jesus calls us to be present. Present. Sober-minded. 21 days. Limited. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It influences, it's called programming for a reason. Here, number two, food. Skip meals. Look for multiple periods of intermediate fasting. Drink a lot of water. Number three, limit or cut out comfort foods. Get rid of them sugars. Get rid of the candy. Get rid of the pastries. Get rid of the desserts. Get rid of the overuse of caffeine. Now, more importantly, add up. You ready? Here's the good stuff. Look for acts of service. If you're not the one who does the dishes, do the dishes at least three times a week. If you have to be asked to take out the garbage, do it before you're asked. Make sure it's out every day. Reorder, reorganize, clean out a bedroom or your basement. Do it, do it, do it. Don't even worry about getting it all done. Just get in there, do it. God wants us. You know what I've learned? Whenever God takes me into my closets, and it, it hasn't happened in a long time because it's just now it's all the same stuff. But years ago, I'd go into my closet because my wife goes, man, you can't even fit that in anymore. Why? Because I was the guy that liked, I love that shirt. So I got it in a blue, a red, a white. And I realized when I go back in it a year later, there, there's still tags on some of these. And I go, well, you, you haven't worn that in a year, man. And it would make me feel very convicted. God wants us to clear out that clutter. Do that. Here's another one really quickly. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm going to give it to you, okay? Here, meet with a brother or sister in the faith. Use the time that you have been given, the extra time you now have to say, hey, can we meet? Talk, listen, pray. You know why? Your heart will grow in love. Here, another one. We have three Monday night prayers. Seven minutes, down Irving Park, seven minutes. No one who gets here can't get there. Every Monday for three weeks, seven, I think it's 7.30 to 8.30, come, your hearts will be emboldened, lifted up, do it. You know what else you'll do? Here's the craziest thing. When you show up, you will be the blessing for someone who recognizes your faith. Here's another one. Read your scripture two times a day. Do it by force. You know why? Because it ain't going to come easy. It never comes easy. Do it by force. Oh, that sounds painful. I'm telling you, you do it for three weeks every day, it won't be painful anymore. You'll realize the benefit because somehow something happens where you stop reading it and it starts to read to you. Okay? Here, visualize conversations in your sentence prayers with the Lord. I do it in the morning. Him sitting here in the car right next to me. And I'll literally be talking to him like this. People come up beside me and they're always looking at me and You're like, "This? what is this guy talking to? I'm talking to Jesus. Can't you see him? And you know what? Can I tell you something? I know I can't see him and I can't touch him, but I know he's there. And I know he wants to hear me. And I can tell him stuff. You know what? I, I can tell him stuff I can't tell you. You know why? He keeps the secrets. And he could do something about it, right? All right, here's the best one. Here's the best one. Play a game after dinner. If you're living with people, your husband, wife, kids, play a game. I'm going to play gin rummy with my wife for 21 days. We're going to have a prize. I know what hers is going to be, that I would clean out the garage. Mine's going to be something around food. (laughs) Because I did all this to get to the food part. (laughs) But do it. Work on being a better partner wherever God puts your feet. See, following Christ isn't like eating dry, nasty oatmeal. It's goodness to the bones. Let's stand up.
1: All my words fall short I've got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs but you never do so I throw up my hands Set for a heart singing hallelujah,
0: hallelujah. So here we are at the, at the precipice. We're at that high dive. You can either walk back down the stairs or you can jump off. If you choose to jump off, the time of self-condemnation is over. That gives no glory to God. It doesn't change you either. Beating yourself up, condemning yourself, it, it's not, it doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't give glory to God. But what he does want is he wants for his love to cause you to desire what's coming next I want you to win focus on blessings Soak, focus on gratitude focus on all of your pluses accept even this your hardships are God's pathways to peace he uses them all those oppositions all those difficulties all those thorns in your side He uses them as a mechanism to make you like Jesus. And when that happens, endless praise. So let's pray. Now we hold hands here. So you grab a hand. We love each other. And you know what? We're going to love each other more and more and more and more and more. Let's pray with one heart. Father God, you are the boss. But man, what a great boss we have. You're not just someone who knows us by a number or as an employee. You're a father. Not only are you a father, you created all this as a family business. This is our family business. Lord God, you're going to share all the spoils with us. There's coming a day when all of your glory will light up the streets man we want to be a part of it help us to focus on the here and now the today because today has enough troubles of its own right so lord god i pray that you would have your way in us help us to make choices to let go so that you can become more we pray this with one heart with one mind in jesus name and what did the saints say